0: We're blessed today. Uh, we've got uh, a special guest, Bill James, from uh, he serves in Africa, and uh, he's got a school there. He's got uh, he's a pastor there at a church. And tenth hour, that discipleship program that my daughter Lydia went through, my daughter Anna, they were so blessed to go through it. Uh, we get to hear what God's doing in Africa, the African part of that ministry and, and, and what's going on there. My kids just absolutely loved it. They loved Bill and his family and, and everything going on there. So we're excited to hear what's, go, what's going on there today and, and uh, in the future. So this is Bill James, if we would welcome, welcome him. Well, good morning. I am Pastor Bill James um, from Calvary Chapel in Shunga, Uganda. It's my home church. I'm actually originally from Portland, Oregon, and I also represent uh, Agents for Christ. And Agents for Christ um, has other ministries a lot of people forget about, but uh, got tracks. We have a track ministry and a radio ministry, Evangelism Minute, but the main two ministries that God has raised up from. A very simple beginning in two RVs is uh, Uganda Kids Project in Uganda and 10th Hour Project in New Mexico. Um, You know, actually, Agents for Christ started in 2004. Um, I was a police detective working narcotics and uh, actually living a double life, a secret life. My life was a mess. Alcohol had destroyed my life, and I was going the wrong way fast, and uh, God was calling to me. And I can remember sitting in church at Calvary Chapel, Port- southeast in Portland, Oregon, and the Bible says it's the love of God that leads us to repentance, or God's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And I can remember sitting I'd heard John 3.16 a thousand times. I was raised in a Christian church. But that day, as my pastor Doug shared, uh, he, he read that verse. As part of his message, he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But it was different because I felt like God said, I love you, Bill. I love you. And changed everything. God would love me so much. Even my sins and my, everything I'd ever done, he still loved me. And it's true for all of us today. And that was the beginning. I, I, I couldn't run from God. I was, try, I was scared, though, because I remember God speaking to me. If you confess all your sins... I'll set you free. And that was scary because all my sins meant uh, I was going to lose everything. But God said, you won't lose nothing. Trust me, I'll I'll restore everything, even greater than before. But I was stubborn. I was in a follow-up investigation. I was working on a DEA task force in Portland, Oregon, in Hillsboro, western side of Portland. Went to a follow-up investigation. My partner was a female FBI agent. We're dressed like this, except for I had a hoodie on. My badge was on a chain around my neck. I had a gun. My gun was covered by my hoodie. My partner had her badge and her gun in her purse. We just looked like a regular, you know, people walking through there. But when we came to the door, we knocked on the door trying to interview the girl there. And I had no idea that they just ordered a large quantity of methamphetamine, and the the delivery guy was coming. And the delivery guys had been getting ripped off, so they were packing guns, trying to kill whoever was, uh, trying to, was stealing from them. And um, he pulled up to where we were talking to the guy at the apartment, and he walked up, and I uh, pulled out my badge, and he pulled out a gun. Never forget it, as long as I live, he lifted his sweater, reached across a cross draw holster, pulled out a 38 revolver, aggressively moved towards me, pointing the gun right at my head. I see him trying to pull the trigger, the gun barrel dropping, dipping, but the gun didn't fire. And uh, God so clearly spoke to me that day. I love you, I died for you, but I won't make you follow me. You must choose to follow Jesus. And the greatest day of my life was April 20th, 2004, when I quit running from Jesus, and I ran to him. And I walked in my pastor's office with my wife and confessed my sins and discovered what the Bible says is true. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. And I walked out of that office free in Christ, a new creation. It says it's such an amazing truth that we can be a new creation. I destroyed my life from alcohol and drugs and all kinds of sin, and then Jesus said I could be new and I'm like, how is that possible? But I'm going to trust you. And I walked out of the office. I was new. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. All things are new. And you know what the heart of ages for Christ was just simply? I, just, I knew all about what it was like to be trapped in sin and darkness and bondage to sin. And then I discovered the freedom in Christ. And I knew everywhere I went, people were trapped in sin like me. And I wanted them to know the freedom that I'd found. And I was an agent for the United States government, and, and I traded in my gun and my badge on April 21st. The next very next day, I quit my job, traded in my, quit, traded in my gun and my badge, and picked up a much more powerful weapon. Amen, My sword. And uh, that began Ages for Christ. And um, took four I, I don't tell people this a lot of times, but it was four years of preparation two years of Bible school, two years of working as an intern at my home church and doing whatever was before me, especially evangelism. And we had this crazy idea to sell everything, buy two RVs, and travel the country as Agents for Christ, just sharing the gospel and encouraging everyone else to do the same and taking people out on the streets to to hopefully light them on fire for Jesus Christ. We have like a three-minute video that gives like an overview of Agents for Christ. Um, Let's watch. In 2008, God called two families as missionaries to the United States. The James family and the Chafee family sold everything, bought two RVs, and traveled the United States for three years with a simple mission of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and teaching others to do the same. never My good. Really, really good. Amen? Amen. And uh, I watch that video. I'm blown away. I can't believe I get to be get to do this. I get to be involved in this. But let's make something clear. Dave would agree with me. Anything that's happened in that video, it's Jesus. If anything happens today, it's Jesus. If anything happens in the future, it's Jesus. And really, you know, what happened in my life, how God started using me? First, I gave my life to him and surrendered daily, desired to walk with him and started reading the Bible. And the Bible is... The Spirit uses the Bible of God to empower the child of God to do the will of God. Amen? The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to empower the child of God to do the will of God. And when I started reading the Bible, guess what? The Spirit of God started working in my life. But really, all I did was say, here I am. I made myself available. And when I made myself available, God used me. But I want to encourage you. There's nothing special about me. There's something amazing about Jesus. Amen? And, uh... The Bible says in Ephesians 3.20, God desires to do exceedingly, abundantly above what we ask, think, or even imagine through his spirit. And God wants to do it in your life. And I don't know everyone here. I don't know very many of you. I met some of your names, but I have a terrible memory, so I can't even barely remember that. But this I know. God loves you, and he died for you, and he wants to know you. And if you'll just surrender your life and daily walk with him, he will do great things. And uh, that's all I did. But, you know, as we saw in the video, the ministry of Agents for Christ now has one ministry, two parts. The Tenth Hour Project is an eight-month discipleship program for young adults. Um, they go to our, project, our campus in New Mexico for three months and do biblical discipleship, drawing near to the Lord and, and studying His Word. And pastors from all over America come and teach at the campus. Uh, then the students go out in America on a mission trip in America um, with the goal of teaching them that life is a mission, life living life on mission, they go out like we did in Agents for Christ, going around to churches around the country as the Lord leads to do evangelism, and the students teach evangelism and go out and take the the people out in the streets to to to, to learn and to to actually do it because you know the devil is a liar. He doesn't want you to share your faith. He doesn't want you to be a witness. He doesn't want you to serve God, and uh, he uses fear and lies. But you know what we've seen when people go actually go out and they step past their fear, step past all the attacks of the enemy and actually go, God, I see God transform people's lives. Because the truth is evangelism can be hard because you cannot share what you don't have. If you're not walking with Jesus, you don't have this, you know, you don't know the gospel and the gospel isn't in your heart and Lord Jesus, Lord, your life, it's hard to share what you don't have. But... Um, the Tenth Hour Projects, they go out in the America for six weeks. Uh, then they come to either Uganda or Peru for three months um, and uh, put into practice what they learned in the first two phases. And they go back to New Mexico for a re-entry phase. And then we send them off to wherever the Lord leads to, uh, to do an internship at their home church or ministry as God guides. And uh, Tenth Hour Project is based on John chapter 1. When Jesus uh, was walking, the disciples were following him. They asked him, where was he staying? And Jesus said, come and see. And it was the 10th hour. And Jesus was challenging the disciples to come and experience what a life walking with Jesus is like. Come and experience, come and see what I can do with your life if you'll trust me. And you know, it was so cool. Such a joy for me. We've been, we came, we've been on the road since July 1st. I have two graduates with me. Uh, I don't know if they're in here or if they're back with the table, but Phil and Ruby are both graduates of the 10th Hour Project. You have Anna, you know, um, Lydia, even Ian's a graduate, and there's many, and Jace, I almost forgot about Jace, you know so amazing is we started in Portland, Oregon. We traveled through California, Nevada, Utah, all the way to New Mexico and Texas, and around all the way to here, and we still got two more months to go, I think are... Yeah, basically, tomorrow. more months. My wife has been not been with me. She's here in like a week. I'm like, yes, my wife is coming with me. Hallelujah. But um, everywhere we go, these churches all over America, there's 10th Hour Project students serving Jesus. And nothing greater than serving the Lord. We were created to worship God and serve him every day. And if you're not doing that, you're missing out. You're missing out. But God sent us to Uganda. I had no idea God was sending me to Uganda. I had no understanding of what Uganda was, but God said, go to Uganda, so we went. And as you saw in the video, we started with two Walmart tents on a grass hill where no white person had ever lived. And the, we, we, wow, God is so amazing. I'll tell a quick little story. I, I, it looks like I have a little bit of time, so I'm going to tell a little of the story. But, you know, God is a God of miracles. He's still doing miracles today. We were there. We got there uh, after traveling for nine months, trying to glean and look, go to visit other ministries. We went to Guatemala. We went to very many different places around Uganda and Africa and different places around the world trying to glean from other people before we went there so we'd been gone for like nine months and we showed up there and we get to pull up to the property and the grass had grown tall and uh, i walked to the top of the hill and i'm like wow i don't remember i remember it being flatter i'm thinking this is going to take forever to build this first building because the plan was to live in tents for three months while we built this first mission center and the mission center was based on what i saw in guatemala this old luther mission center and uh and there was no flat spot to put a tent even. We, we were like, oh, my goodness, we don't even have a place to put a tent, our tents. And um, we didn't spend the night there, the first night when we stayed in the, in the town, which is 30 minutes away. We came back the next morning after praying all night, and we were sitting there trying to dig the ground. and It's all like a rock hill, and all of a sudden, a guy walked up to me. And I thought it was impossible. I'm thinking, what have I done? I take my family out here to die. But God quickly reminded me of all the miracles that he'd done to, to lead us there. And a guy walked up to me and, and said, I run, I'm running the, the country grader, the, the district grader, uh, right down the road. I want to come help you. And he drove the grader up there, pushed our driveway all the way to the top, leveled the, the hole everywhere. And the next day, we were putting in the foundation. Amen? With God, all things are possible. But from that humble beginning in those two tents, we, we we had the vision to start a church or start a Bible study and just put in a well. And we did that and watched God use it as we saw the church try to go, and hundreds and hundreds of kids were coming, and uh, it was so amazing. And then God said, start a school. and I didn't really want to start a school, <laughs> to be honest, because I know how hard it is. You guys probably know here, it's very, it can be very difficult. But uh, okay, Lord, we obeyed, and... We started with 15 kids in one classroom in the little mission center and uh, took a step of faith the next year and expanded and now many years later, uh, we have 467 kids in our primary school. Two years ago, God led us to start a high school and we're in our second year of a high school. We have two classes of 30 students and God is doing just amazing things. Um, It led us to start a medical clinic and God... Uh wow, there's so many things that have happened in Uganda. But um, I just, the church is growing. And uh, in fact, God has actually brought so many people to serve with us, missionaries to run oversee the high school and oversee the medical clinic, a nurse. And it's just been amazing serving Jesus. And again, I had no idea what God was doing, but I trusted him. And maybe you're not sure what God desires to do in your life. Or maybe you don't know Jesus. First step is to, to ask him to save you, confess your sins, ask him to save you, and surrender your life to him. And then desire, read the word and obey, desire to obey and uh, walk with him every day. And he will lead you to exactly what he has for you. But we have a table in the back. There's a bunch of African crafts there for donation. Um, we have, uh, you saw in the video, we, we have a couple needs. Um, we definitely ask for you to pray for us. Maybe God would move on your hearts to to help us financially. We have to build the next building by February 1st, and um, God is is moving, so maybe you would like to uh, help us that way. Um, We also, since COVID, we stayed in Uganda the whole time during COVID, and uh, basically COVID caused many problems in Uganda, but uh, one of the biggest things is the cost of all the food has doubled, and feeding The 500-plus kids and the 60 Uganda employees and all the other missionaries that are there, it costs like $1,300 a week to feed everyone. And we started this food sponsorship program. $10 in America doesn't really do anything, right? $10 can't even buy Netflix. $10 can't buy a Happy Meal barely. It can't buy really anything in America. But in Uganda, $10 goes a long, long way. $10 feeds one of our students... Three meals a day for an entire month. So pray about maybe God would have you partner us with that simple way, $10 a month. I was trying to find out how far we've got. We've been uh, raising, God has been raising support, or we've been raising support for this food program. And I don't know where we are. We've had quite a few, but we have a long ways to go. So maybe pray, maybe God would have you partner with us in that way. But this morning, it's my desire to uh, continue the worship service, teaching the Word of God. Hopefully you have your Bibles and we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to read beginning in verse 14 until the end of the chapter and uh, then we will study together but let me pray first. Uh, where we are in, in southwest Uganda, we're right by uh, Rwanda and uh, the Congo. We're way far in the middle of nowhere, six hours up country. Um, but the local tribe there is the Ankole tribe, and the language they speak is Runyankoli. So in Runyankoli, the it's, let's, let's pray is Katushabe, Katushabe, let's pray. Lord, thank you. We do give you praise. We thank you for your holy word. Every word is true, and every promise is for us today, Lord. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through your word. You'd speak to each person here. And they, God, that, God, we'd hear your still small voice, and we'd uh, obey. We'd follow you. We would surrender anything that's keeping, uh, causing us to be led astray or to wander. And it says in your word that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and every sin which so easily entangles us and run the race with endurance, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And Lord, that's what we desire today, to get cast off anything, to lay down our fears and burdens, our sicknesses, our sin at the cross and walk out of here free, empowered by your spirit to serve you, the living God. So meet us here, in Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians 10, beginning of verse 14, says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything, or what is offered to idols is anything. Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being." "'Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no question for conscience' sake, "'for the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. "'If any of those who do not believe invite you to dinner and you desire to go, "'eat whatever is set before you, asking no question for conscience' sake. "'But if anyone says to you this was offered to idols, do not eat it "'for the sake of the one who told you and for conscience' sake, "'for the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. "'Conscience, I say, not your own but that of the other, "'for why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience?' But if I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken of for the food over which I give thanks? Verse 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Amen. So Paul... uh, is the writer of this book of First, his letter of First Corinthians. Paul actually was in Corinth for eighteen months, uh, preaching the gospel. A church was founded or started, and then Paul continued on his missionary journeys. As he after he left Corinth, he heard uh, news from friends that there was problems in the church, and he received a letter, maybe more than one, but at least one letter that uh, that told him about the problems and also had many questions. So Paul writes the letter of First Corinthians to the church at Corinth. 2,000 years ago, addressing those problems and answering the questions. But as we come to chapter 8, 9, and 10 of 1 Corinthians, Paul uses this topic of eating meat offered to idols to teach us a much bigger lesson. And I call the lesson the law of love. And the law of love is simple. Love God and love others. Easy to say, difficult to do. Amen? Easy to say, difficult to do. But here he's addressing this topic of our rights and freedoms in Christ versus people's personal convictions and the offenses we can cause sometimes. And it's been a great debate, this great debate between the license and freedom we have in Christ versus the legalism and the rules and the law. And truthfully, if we're honest, and I'm looking at myself, I'm talking to myself because I remember when I first, before I got saved, I had knew about Jesus here. But I missed Jesus by 18 inches because I had had knowledge in my head but I didn't give him my heart. And I had a license, you know, the freedom, but I wasn't walking with Christ. But I remember, you know, the sin led me so far to bondage and destruction. And then Jesus set me free, and I started walking with Jesus. And before I knew it, I can remember going down the street and seeing these these, uh, homeless people on the street, and I'm thinking, I'm glad I'm not like them. And it was like, God's struck me, you know, pierced my heart, reminding me I was just like them. And what had I done? I went all the way to the other side to legalism because I was like them. And what's the balance between legalism and lawlessness? It's love. God is love. And God proved his love by sending his son, Jesus. And, you know, um, so easy to be led astray, so easy to, to, to wander even Paul told first, uh, his disciple in First Timothy 1 verse 5, he said, The purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. And the truth is we are free in Christ, but we are really free to love. We're not free to, you know, if it dishonors God or it hurts someone, causes someone to be offended, causes someone to sin or leads us to sin. Because the truth is we're not free to sin we are free from sin, a big difference. We're not free to sin, we're free from sin. Though we are all sinners and we're always going to struggle with sin, we have this flesh, this body that we can't I wish I could get rid of, and one day we'll be completely free of sin. But today, in the power of Christ, because God is love, and we spend time with Jesus and the spirit of God fills you, He enables you, gives you the power over sin and the power to love God and to love others. I'm going to start with this verse and end with this verse because I really believe it's the lesson that, that Paul is trying to teach us. And hopefully if you remember nothing else, that you underline this, memorize this verse, remember this. Because this is what I believe was heart, Paul's heart. Verse 31 says, therefore whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And that's, that's my desire. Hopefully it's yours. Of course we fall way short. We all fall short. Praise God. God is a God of many chances. But today, we're going to look at three things in our study in the next few minutes. First, we're going to look at the warnings of chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians is filled with warnings. Secondly, we're going to look at the word conscience. Whenever you see a word repeated over and over, you know it's important. And finally, we're going to look at a little more detail, the law of love, loving God and loving others. First, the warnings. If you turn your Bible back to the beginning of chapter 10, Paul, right into the church at Corinth, uses... The children of Israel, as an example, how they were blessed. They were uh, led with a cloud by day and the fire by night. They passed through the Red Sea on dry land. They were uh, fed the spiritual food, the manna. They ate, drank the spiritual water that came out of the rock. But he says in verse 5, But with most of them God was not well pleased, and they died in the wilderness. Verse 6 and 11 tell us. Now Paul's writing it to the church at Corinth, but remember, all, everything in the Bible is for us today says, these things became our examples. And 11 goes on to say, they were written for our admonition. The word admonition means a strong warning upon whom the ends of the age have come. Paul believed in his life he was going to see Jesus' second coming. And think of this, we're 2,000 years later still waiting, but he's coming quickly. Amen? Maranatha. could be today. The question is, are you ready to meet him today? And the truth is, it's well, it can be difficult. It was hard for me to come to Christ, but it was the greatest thing I ever did. To be ready, all you got to do is confess I'm a sinner. Believe that Jesus is a God. Believe that Jesus died and rose again for me. Trust him as your Lord and Savior and walk with him. And you're ready. Faith. It says we're saved by faith, not by works. But he goes on to say the one main warning I want to look at tonight, this morning is verse 14. It says, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. And he says, my beloved, he's talking to the church. You know, Corinth was filled with idols. They had, uh, you know, temp- all kinds of idol temples to Diana and all the different temples. But, you know, what is an idol in our lives today? Because we probably don't, aren't, we're, we're not worshiping an idol temple. We're not visiting the idols. We're not, we don't probably have an asterisk pull or offering sacrifice to Molech. But what is an idol today? Because Corinth was filled with idols, but so is the United States. The Corinth was filled with idols, but so is the USA. And the truth is, we're all, we all can be tempted. We all are tempted. We all struggle. And an idol is anything that is more important to you than God. Anything you spend more money, more time, or more energy doing. And that could be anything. Could be money. Could be a sports team. Could be some television show. Could be, my biggest struggle is this. You know, I've been watching TV, just going around the country, flipping on the news to see if anything's happened. And they keep having these commercials about how this has destroyed our kids, right? It's brought them into idolatry uh, and uh, created this huge problem. But isn't it true? I can catch myself just looking at my phone for no reason. It's like, it's just almost like it's calling to me. It's like, ridiculous, and, you know, I can do my entire Bible message in my bed on this phone. So you can do, I can do great things or good things with this. But it can also be a tool of the devil to lead me into idolatry. And, you know, and we all know this can open the doors to a world of evil. And the Bible is very clear. It says, examine yourself. Examine yourself. And that's a daily thing we need to do is examine our hearts. Are you saved? Are you walking with Jesus? Do you know him? And But the truth is, we examine our hearts, but you don't still see it. Oh, I'm, my life's filled with idolatry, or I'm uh, whatever, and just leave it. God calls us to come to him and surrender it to him, and that he would help us to not be involved in idols, but to only serve the living God. Because the truth is, idols, they'll lure you in. And more and more and more involvement, more and more time, more and more money, before you know it, they're more important than God. And ultimately it can become a new God in your heart. You have a new love, a new master. And that's extremely simple to happen and very dangerous. You think about the warnings of God. The Bible's filled with warnings. I and mean, with Paul, as he continues in chapter 10, verse 7, quickly summarizing, he said, verse 7, they, they were idolaters and they died. Verse 8 says they committed sexual immorality and they died. Verse 9 says they tempted Christ and they died. Verse 10, they complained and they died. Then he says, flee from all this idolatry. Listen to the warnings and follow Jesus. Because if you think about the God's warnings, uh, think about your, if you're at work, at your job, you're doing something your boss tells you no, or you're doing something wrong. If you don't listen, it comes to consequences. Think about your parents. You disobey your parents or just, you know, just to, uh, disobey them. In, in Uganda, it's called chiboko, chiboko, Sticks. We all know about Chiboko? No? I, I used to be a belt. They're like, why is my dad so mad at me? But think about God's Chiboko. God's Chiboko is hell. And that is something we need to be really serious about. Because there is only two paths. Jesus said, there's the narrow road which leads to life and few find it. And the wide road that leads to destruction. And to have the idols in our heart, it really blocked the work of God block the work of God because Jesus is the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and He belongs on His rightful place on the throne of your heart. But idols will kick Him off, will block Him. And here Paul uses two examples. He uses two examples of the oneness or the unity we have in Christ and the body of Christ and with, with God through Christ. First, he uses communion. Uh, verse 16, talking about communion, the body and the blood. You know, when we take communion, we're one, one church, one body. We come together to partake of the Lord's table. We take the bread, which represents the, the body of Christ. We take the juice, which represents the blood of Christ. And uh, we partake. And we're one with God through communion. Remember Jesus' sacrifice, His death till He comes. He uses a second example of Israel as they sacrificed at the temple or the tabernacle. They would offer sacrifices and they'd burn part of the animal on the altar and the smoke would rise to God and they would eat the meat off the altar and they would believe they were one or communion or, you know, had, uh, were one with God through, through the sacrifices. And Paul uses those examples that God desires to have a relationship with us. changed my life when I realized God loved me. And then it was like, the next step was like, "Wow, God desires to walk with me." But um, Paul's warning us here, "Look at, the idols will actually block your communion with God." And he says the same thing that Moses said. Moses said the exact same thing in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 32:17. as he was coming to the end of his life and he was trying to, to remind the Israelites of all that they'd learned and to warn them. It says in verse 30 17 of Deuteronomy, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And the truth is, the devil, I think I said it, but I'll repeat it. The devil uses lies and fear. The devil uses lies and fear. And in Uganda, we found this tree. I, I'd been in Uganda for five years before I found out about this idol that they'd been offering sacrifices. We estimate about 200 years. There was a man there that had been... Queuing up the video, they had a man there uh, that was a hundred years old when I got there, and um, he died recently. He was my friend, but um, he's with Jesus. I look forward to seeing him again. But he, I went and asked him about the tree when I found out about it, and he said that tree was full grown when I was—he was a boy. So anyway, this tree, which so clearly shows the lies and the fear that the devil uses to deceive us, and this was leading these people away from Jesus to follow idolatry. Let's watch this video. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, like, talk a little bit as, we, as it plays. We are here, we're here at the tree in Ishunga, Uganda. This is where the people for hundreds of years have offered sacrifices to this tree, to the gods or whoever they were offering sacrifices to. And now we are here trying to bring an end to the, to the lies of um, idol worship and bring the truth of Jesus Christ. There's only one God, Jesus, and Hu Lili. Jesus is alive. I believe if you took any of the branches you'd be cursed. So we took a branch and we're cooking bananas. They thought if the uh, you cut it it would bleed. No blood. Right. No blood. Massive idol. You see all those are roots attracted to the tree. There's branches falling everywhere. They believed it was protected by snakes, so I'm looking for the snakes because there was none. So we estimate the tree was 200 years old. People were so afraid of this idol, they wouldn't even, the guys who had chainsaws that lived, that are by us, wouldn't come. We had to get people from far away to come to cut down this tree. It took like four chainsaws, five hours. The local leaders were afraid we were going to bring a curse to the people, so we were praying hard that God would make a way to cut down this, this idol. Yeah, we posted that video on YouTube, we paused stopped the video, and people wrote to me and said, uh, well, you killed that beautiful tree, I'm like, I, that tree was the devil, and he was leading the people of Ishunga completely astray, and causing much fear and many lies, and all the leaders came to me and said, I'm going to bring a curse on the people, and I'm like, No. We, we brought Jesus to that valley, and all these people had accepted Christ, and were walking with Christ, and all their kids were coming to church, and we're seeing all these amazing work of God. And then I discovered they had these lies. You know, we always hide idolatry, don't we? We hide it. We don't want people to know our real hearts. And the truth is, God knows everything. So we don't need to hide from him. We don't need to hide from him. You can give him, be honest, and surrender whatever your struggles are. But they were trying to hide it, and I stood on the promise of God's word. It's God's four-by-four it's a, you know, a four-by-four, four, a big stick, a fence post? God's four-by-four four is First John 4.4. 4. He who lives in me is greater than he who lives in the world. And we stood on the promise that draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Resist the devil, and he will flee. And we cut that tree down, and nothing happened. No snakes, no blood, no curses, nothing. What we saw is miracles. One of the families who was involved in offering sacrifices at the tree, the clan leader, was Richard. Richard they didn't know what was wrong with him, but they were preparing to bury him. And we'd even gone and prayed for Richard because they thought he was going to die. And we cut the tree down. The very next day, Richard woke up completely healed. Amen. And we went and visited Richard and shared the gospel with him and continued to disciple him. And Richard gave his life to Jesus. People tried to lie to me. They they didn't want me to remove their idol. They didn't want me to cut down their idol. But uh, after we did, uh, uh, the guy who lived right by there had four adult sons. In Uganda, they struggle with, L, saying, with sound, saying L's and R's, so they call me Daddy Bilu. And my mom is Mama Daniela. But uh, they call, said, Daddy Bilu, thank you. We believed the lies of this tree for all these years, and now we know Jesus is the truth. We're going to follow Jesus. And um, you know, the, video makes me, the tree makes me think of the cross. Amen? You know, we don't want to offer sacrifices at the uh, at some idol we want to surrender our life completely at the cross and this is what's on the tree now do you have that picture we put a cross in its place to remind people that Jesus Jesus is greater than idols and you know the devil has a plan for your life you can look for yourself first in John chapter 10 verse 10 the devil's plan for your life is to steal and kill and destroy and he'll use idols. But Jesus in that same verse said, my, my plan for you is to give you abundant life today as you walk with me in eternal life forever through faith in my finished work of the cross. You know, Paul warning us here, he says, in verse 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake at the Lord's table and the table of demons. As I said, that idolatry will block the work of God in your life. But He goes on to tell them, look at." didn't want them to be deceived by idols because, you know, the idol is nothing, but behind the idol is the work of the devil trying to deceive you, trying to make you afraid, trying to let you put anything on your heart above Jesus. Leads us to our second thing, conscience. Our conscience is that inner voice. We all have one. It's a warning system. Uh, it warns us when we're sinning, we're offending people. We've been offend- our conscience can be offended. It's no fun when your people offend you. It also helps you decide the things if it's the right thing to do. In any situation. And Paul here uses the word conscience five times. In verse 25, he says, eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no question for conscience sake. Saying we're free to eat the meat. You know, for asking nothing. Because we don't want our conscience offended or someone else offended. Verse 27, if somebody invites you to dinner that's not a believer, go. Asking no question for conscience sake. But verse 28, he says, if you go there and someone says this was offered to idols, don't eat it for the one who told you and for conscience sake. Right? Because another believer is there, sees you eating uh, the meat offered to idols, and uh, he's going to be offended, so you don't want to offend your brother. Because the lesson Paul wants us to learn is verse 29. Conscience, I say, not your own, but that of the other. He also says in verse 24, the lesson that we should learn here is let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well being. Amen. We don't want to do. Things that cause our brothers to be stumbler or to be offended. You know, when you're gone to a lot of times, people don't eat uh, pork. They still don't eat pork. And, you know, an example here was if, uh, you know, I'm going to somebody's house, to visit them, and they, I know they don't eat pork, and I show up with a big plate of pork at their house and say, let's eat pork. I mean, it would be a serious offense to them. And there's many other examples, you know, right? it could be what food you eat or what clothing you wear, where, how you worship, what day you worship, what music you listen to, what movies you watch. And you know, the truth is, we don't want to offend people, but followers of Christ, being a Christian, people will be offended because of Jesus. Jesus said, if they hate me, they're going to hate you for following me. So I'm not talking about that kind of offense. I'm talking about doing something or not doing something or saying something that causes people to be offended. Paul says, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, as we walk with Jesus, the things that will be evident in your life are what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. My pastor, always talking about joy, used to use this acronym. Maybe you've heard it. The acronym of joy is J is Jesus, O is others, and Y is you. Put Jesus first, care about others, put them above yourself, and walk with Jesus every day. We need to remember something as well, though. Uh, The devil works through condemnation. Condemnation is a sentence of death over your head. And that's from the enemy, trying to make you believe you're not saved, or you're going to hell, or you're going to die without God. The Holy Spirit uses conviction. Conviction, which is a work of the Holy Spirit with our conscience, warning us. Warning us that uh, we're going the wrong way or we're doing something that's going to offend someone or we're sinning. Again, Paul tells us not our own conscience but uh, that of the other what leads us to our final point here is the law of love again the law of love is love god and love others and i'm not talking about legalism we're free to love amen we're not saved by good works we're saved by grace through faith but the truth is we're free to love in christ and god is love and God desires to fill us with his love, that we would go out into the world and share his love. And the truth is, the greatest way you can love someone else is to tell them about Jesus. The greatest way you can tell you can love someone else is to tell them about Jesus. But here at the last four verses, Paul gives us two things in regards to the law of love towards God and two things in the law of love towards those around us. And these are some questions or things that you can consider, or what you're doing or not doing is going to bring offense to or break the law of love towards others or the law of love towards God. Um, the first towards other people around you is Paul says in verse 30, over the food over which I give thanks. Paul believed everything was from God and he gave thanks for everything. So the first thing he reminds us is that we, should, we shouldn't do anything or be involved in anything or say anything. We can't give thanks to God. If we can't give thanks to God for it, we might be violating the, love of, the law of love towards God. The second thing he gives us verse 31, towards the law of love towards God. He says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. The things you're involved in, things you do and say, does it bring God glory? If not, you might want to consider, because we were created to worship God and to, to live a life that uh, is an act of worship that brings him glory. He gives us two things in regards to the law of love towards others around us. First, verse 32, he says, give no offense, either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. We don't want to do anything. It causes people around us to be offended. The things you're doing or saying or involved in does it that cause others to be offended, we might want to ch- change because you cannot lead someone to Christ who you offend. Again, we're not talking about if offending if they're offended because you're a Christian. If they're offended because of that. Jesus told us, warned us that that would happen. The second thing that uh, about the law of love towards those around you is verse 33. He says, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Paul's greatest desire was to uh, preach the gospel and, and uh, lead people to Christ. And the things we're involved in, the things we do and say, do they lead others to follow Jesus? If not, we may want to change because God called us all to be his witnesses. We're gonna close with verse, chapter 11, verse one. It's a simple verse. Simple verse, but uh, powerful. Paul writes, imitate me just as I also imitate imitate Christ. And I think about God's love and what Jesus did for me, what God did by sending his son to die in our place. We broke God's law, but he took the punishment for us what a great act of love. And uh, Romans 5, 9 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still enemies of God, Jesus died for us. For, that we could no longer be enemies, but we could by faith become his friends. But I think about Jesus. Jesus, ah, that's what I want to follow. And the King James says, follow me as I follow Christ. I want to follow Jesus. And we think G- Jesus is God. He left heaven perfect place, came to earth, lived a perfect life, met the righteous requirements of a holy God. He went, walked up the Calvary carrying a cross. He was hung on the cross. His hands were pierced. His feet were pierced. He died in my place. He died in our place. If we will trust in him, we will not perish but have everlasting life. But that is not the end of the story. Jesus was buried and he rose again the third day and ascended into heaven. And I love I love Acts chapter one. I've been reading it all the time because it's just God spoke to me recently through that verse in Acts chapter one, where it says, "The disciples were watching as Jesus descended into heaven, they watched him go into the clouds, and as they're standing there looking up into the sky, the angels were standing by them. And uh, they said, "Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking in the sky? This same Jesus who you saw go up into the air, will one day return in the same way." That same Jesus is coming back one day, and I think made me think about looking at the clouds, looking at the sky. For those who have been to Uganda, you know what I'm talking about. We're like right on the equator, so we're like I think we're like an inch closer to the stars or something. I don't know. But when you look at the when the moon is not out and the stars are out, we turn off all the lights and we have an open air. building so you can lay lay there and look at the stars, and it's like they're so close. But I always think, wow, the God who is so amazing and so powerful who spoke and the stars were formed. He spoke and the worlds were formed, and he created us, and he holds our lives in his hand. He loves us and wants to know us. And it's so amazing to me. He knows everything I've ever done. He knows everything I've ever thought, everything I've ever said, and he loves me he loves you. He wants to know you. And he wants you to follow him. But I think about Paul. He follow me. It's difficult to say. Paul, no, he was not perfect. He killed Christians. Paul was a sinner, but I really believe his greatest desire was to worship God And everything he did. Everything he said, everything he thought, I believe it was his greatest desire. And I think that's what Paul is trying to teach us this morning. Besides us being saved, that's the first step. But really, when you give your life to Christ, when I gave my life to Christ on April 20th, 2004, that was day one. I was a new creation. I was like a baby. My life began. I was new in Christ. The day we give our lives to Christ is day one. Then we spend the rest of the lives walking with Jesus until he calls us home. But just like Paul, his greatest desire, I believe, is in verse 31, as we close with this verse. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And again, you cannot do anything for God's glory if it hurts another person, causes people to be offended, or causes them to sin. Because love is far more important than liberty. Love is far more important than liberty. A lot of love is simple. Love God and love others. But the amazing truth is God gave his spirit. Through faith, when you believe in Jesus and trust him as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is given, comes and lives inside of you. Your dead spirit, because of your sins, becomes alive in Christ. And the Holy Spirit lives in you and empowers you to have victory over sin, empowers to love, empowers to walk with God daily. He's your helper and comforter leads you into all truth. The Holy Spirit, we can love God. We can love others. Amen. I want to close. Actually, I I wrote this down, so I want to turn to Galatians chapter five, Galatians chapter five, verse thirteen and fourteen. I'm going to read it, and then we'll pray. Galatians chapter five, verse thirteen and fourteen. We do. We are doing our personal devotions, um, and uh, read Galatians five, and this spoke to me. It fits here at the end. To call. Call of God. Before I read it, I just want to challenge you. You know, it's so easy to allow things to come into our lives and take the place of God. And maybe here you're here to this morning, and as you look at your heart, you examine your life, you realize you've got idols, you have things that are have taken the place of God in your life. And you know, we all we can all be in that place, and it could be one day, and the next day something else but the truth is god wants to set us free and you know if you got if you realize you have some kind of a tree growing in your heart like that island you've gone to a tree growing up in your heart and taking the place of jesus it's time to cut it down it's time to cut it down and let jesus take his rightful place in your heart as the lord of lords and king of kings and here paul says for you brethren have been called to liberty only do not use your liberty as an opportunity to flesh but through love serve one another for all the laws fulfilled in one word even this you shall love your neighbor as yourself let's pray lord thank you we praise you lord i pray for every person here even myself lord if there's anyone here that doesn't know you that they would not leave this place without without confessing you as their Lord and Savior, confessing their sins and asking you to save them because I know when they they come to you, you will save them. You will give them new life and you will set them free. And Lord, there's many people here that are believers are walking with you and it's so easy to get entangled in idolatry and things that get in the way of our walk with you, Lord. I pray that you would Open their eyes to see their struggles; that they would not hide, but they would come to you, surrender, and you would set them free. And Lord, as people walk with you daily, God, I pray. The church here in Perry, New York, is this is the part of the body of Christ as they walk with you, God, that they would be a light here in this world, wherever you send them, lead others to walk with you. In Jesus' name.